Welcome to the Sugar Freedom Show. I'm your host, Katherine Gordon. Today's episode is A is for Appetite, how managing your appetite is the key to permanent weight loss. I want to begin with a short story. Once upon a time, there was a thirsty woman. She went to the kitchen and poured herself a glass of cool, clear water. Then she drank it. When the glass was empty, she set it down and walked away because her thirst was quenched and she was satisfied. The end. Imagine if you responded to food the same way that woman responded to that glass of water. I learned about this concept from Dr. Siwis, the carb addiction doctor. And the concept is, is that the substances that we require, that are biologically required by the human body, water, food, sleep, that these are managed by a natural biofeedback system. And that when those, when those needs are satisfied, when they're fulfilled, whether it's for water or protein or fat or sleep or sunshine, that there is a feedback system that tells us that we've had enough and it's time to walk away and do something else. What if all of the foods that we ate could be the same way? When I became overweight and then later on in my life when I became obese, that happened because I was overeating and sometimes compulsively overeating and very often when I was responding to my carbohydrate addiction. Now this addiction began for me in early childhood. I remember I really started having trouble when I was around six years old and I started eating breakfast cereals. We would have things like Pop-Tarts and what I discovered was, and I can actually remember this from my childhood, that a normal bowl of cereal did not get me satisfied. Now compare that to what I very well remember is that if I had a couple of soft boiled eggs, one or two, that did get me satisfied. So what happened? What started all of this trouble? Well, at around eight years old, my mother took me to the pediatrician and he told her that I was overweight and that I should count calories. I also think that even earlier than that, that there was a time when my family doctor began to worry about cholesterol and he began to worry about how many eggs that I was eating each week. And he said, let's go ahead and reduce those eggs. So I stopped eating the satisfying food that I was having most mornings and I was switched to sugary cereals and I found that they simply didn't satisfy my appetite. Fast forward a number of years later when I discovered that I really wanted to get leaner and unfortunately the way I controlled my appetite was with things like diet sodas and cigarettes and even Dexatrim. So something was going on, my appetite was getting deranged and I am not alone in dealing with these issues. According to the CDC, 71% of Americans are currently overweight or obese. What is going on? And I don't think that it's simply that they're eating too much because they're not paying attention or they don't care about their weight. I know how much I cared about being overweight. I would have given anything to be able to eat in a different way, to eat less and to get lean. But I kept craving these foods. So the things that Dr. Siwes talks about is that these new foods, or at least they were new, new to me in the 60s and 70s, these manufactured foods, they're modified for two reasons, either to make them last longer on the shelf or to make them irresistible so people want to eat more. I want to share another story. A couple of years back, I was talking to a woman whose daughter was going to work in the corporate food industry, and I talked to her about 
the obligations that the food industry has. An article had recently come out about a man who worked in the science of appetite in a food corporation. He literally said that he was sorry for the American people because of what he knew about what was going into the food that was making it irresistible, creating this bliss point that we simply could not put the food down. Most of us are familiar with the Lay's slogan, you can't eat just one. Well, the idea was is that they were going to take all of these foods, pretty much anything that's packaged or modified, anything out of a bag or a box, and they were going to make these foods irresistible. So I asked, what is the obligation of these corporations if they know that these foods, that they're making foods that people are overeating and that they have health consequences? And her answer to me was, is that a corporation's number one obligation is to their shareholders and that their job is to create food and to create products that people want and that people will buy. And that protects them from liability. The whole point of creating a corporation is to protect the people in it from individual liability and to put the liability on the business. And the business, their number one obligation is to the people who hold the shares and they hold the shares because they want a profit. And to make a profit, they have to create foods that people are going to find irresistible and that they're going to want to eat more of and buy more of. And it makes a sad kind of sense. But unfortunately, we have to deal with the consequences. You and I, as we shop and as we eat, we need to understand that there are forces at work that want us to find these foods irresistible. So what do we do? The solution has been around for actually a number of decades, and it's called an elimination diet. And the idea is we simply take out the foods that are causing us problems. Often elimination diets are used for people who have food allergies or food intolerances, but they can also be very, very useful for people who are overeating, for people who have sugar addictions, and for people who have carbohydrate addictions. Now, today's show is not about is sugar addiction or carbohydrate addiction real. I am going to be doing that show very, very soon. I believe it is, and I have a number of arguments as to why that is the case. But what we do want to talk about today is how can we pull out the foods that are causing us to overeat while maintaining good nutrition, staying satisfied, and staying energized. The way that I go about it with the Sugar Freedom Program, and this is how I overcame obesity more than a dozen years ago, is I simply begin with the concept that we're going to take out all of the added sugars, we're going to eliminate all of the grains, and we're going to eliminate all of the processed seed oils. So your sugars, that's anything. It's white table sugar. It's honey. It's molasses. It's anything that ends with O-S-E, glucose, galactose, sucrose. And very often, if you read a food label, you will see that these sugars are broken down into different categories so that sugar isn't the number one in ingredient. So if you look at, you know, pick up an item in the store that's got some sugar in it and you'll very often notice that they break out the sugar into different names. You'll have sugar, you'll have corn sweeteners, you'll have different kinds of sweeteners so that pushes sugar down the list so that maybe wheat is the first ingredient or oats are the first ingredient. So watch for that. That's a little trick to make sugar not be the number one ingredient. So we're pulling out all of the sugars. And then second, yes, we are pulling out all of the grains and that's wheat and barley and oats, all of the grains. And actually in terms of the vegetable, vegetables that we are gonna eat, 
we're generally going to eat vegetables that grow above the ground. So all of the leafy vegetables, your cauliflower, your broccoli. What about corn? Well, a lot of us will say that corn, no, it's actually the seed of the corn plant. We're actually calling it a seed or a grain. So we're not going to count it as an above ground vegetable. And also that leads me to the concept of seed oils. Your corn oil, your canola oil, which is actually rapeseed oil, cottonseed oil, and oh my goodness, number one culprit, soybean oil. Did you know that 90% of the soybean oil consumed in the world today is extracted with hexane? So a lot of people are switching to soy products and thinking that they're healthy for the environment, but the hexane that is used to extract that soybean oil from the soy plant, that's a petroleum product. And the chemical process that extracts these seed oils changes the seed oils in such a way that they become inflammatory to the body. And also we're talking about the difference between omega-6 and omega-3 oils. And your seed oils are going to be omega-6 oils. But once again, we'll set that topic aside for another day, specifically addressing those seed oils. Our purposes today are to find the foods that are as satisfying and as nourishing to the body as that simple glass of water. And don't worry, you're not just gonna be drinking water, but we've eliminated all of the sugars, we've eliminated the grains, and we've eliminated the seed oils. So what is left? Well, your proteins and some dairy and eggs and the vegetables that grow above the ground and also fruit, but we'll get to that in a minute. So you can build your nutrition program out of all of your meats, all of your poultry, all of your fish, and you can add eggs as well. In my case, I have a little bit of heavy cream, sometimes organic, sometimes raw, just enough to color my coffee. When I am actively pursuing weight loss or fat loss, I'm not going to be eating cheese, but in maintenance, I do eat cheese as well. Another thing is we're talking about carbohydrate addiction. We're talking about compulsive overeating. If you find that you overeat cheese, you can go ahead and leave that out because there are abundant amounts of foods that you can eat. So if you're building your nutrition plan out of the proteins, out of all of the animal proteins, your beef, your pork, your fish, your chicken, and you also have eggs, and then you have all of the vegetables that grow above the ground. You've got all of the leafy vegetables, your broccoli, your kale, so many different vegetables that you can have. You have many, many different foods that you can build a nutrition plan out of. And the Sugar Freedom Program, what we do is we go three days with just the proteins, the eggs, and the above ground vegetables. And then after that, if the appetite is well satisfied, and you're already feeling like your stomach is flatter, you're already feeling slimmer, then we can add back a little bit of low sugar fruit, seasonal berries, melons, but being careful, probably not grapes, probably not bananas, but the fruits that are low in sugar. There's one more step though, and this is what I discovered after I went through menopause at age 53, and I'm 56 now, is that after menopause, once my weight crept after menopause, once my weight crept up, in order to lose weight, I very often had to use a carnivore or an animal-based keto strategy. And so even though I'm not here as a medical doctor or as a nutritional advocate, I am here to share my story that after menopause, 
when I need to lose weight, I do do a carnivore strategy. And there are three books that have been essential in my confidence for following that strategy. The first is Not Buy Bread Alone by Stefanson, which is the classic about the year-long study of two men who ate nothing but meat for a year. And then Dr. Paul Saladino, MDs, The Carnivore Code. And then, of course, the first doctor who introduced me to a carnivore program, Sean Baker, MD, with his The Carnivore Diet. And it was Sean Baker that I learned about carnivore from in March of 2018, doing March Meatness. And the reason I went carnivore in the first place is I was getting ready to sing at Carnegie Hall. So I wanted to get lean, but also I needed an eating plan that was anti-inflammatory. Because if you are a singer, the most important thing is to make sure that you've got low inflammation in your body so that your vocal cords can vibrate and do what they need to do so that you can sing. So I have found that the carnivore strategy has been really, really a godsend in terms of helping me to manage my weight. One of the other important benefits of the carnivore strategy is it has helped me manage my digestion. As we age, sometimes our digestive flexibility gets a little bit compromised, and I have found that the more of the excess fiber that I eliminate, the more carnivore I stay, the easier it is to stay in healthy digestion and keep everything firing on all cylinders. So that's our episode for today, talking about how we can find a way to eat and find the foods that are going to nourish us and leave us as satisfied as if we were drinking that tall, cool glass of water. That the body, when you're giving it appropriate nutrition, you're not going to be experiencing those cravings, certainly not those carb and sugar cravings, and you can eat well and then simply get on with your life. Thank you for listening today. Once again, this is Katherine Gordon, The Sugar Freedom Show, brought to you by sugarfreedom.com. Be well, everybody, and get out there and do good things. Bye-bye.